Welcome back to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Callum Jaspin, and today another upfront special. After Nine kicked off the main networks a few weeks ago, today we're on to Network 10 and its parent company, Paramount Australia and New Zealand. You'll hear the introduction of today's guest in just a second, so without further ado, here is that interview. Paramount Australia and New Zealand's Chief Sales Officer Rod Prosser and Dan Monaghan, Senior Vice President of Content and Programming, welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. Thanks, Cal. Thanks for having us. Rod, you are uh, making your second appearance in a matter of months, so um, welcome to you. A special welcome once again. (laughs) Thank you. Nice to be here, as always. Um, So you hosted your Upfront event last week at the ICC in Sydney, as we were just discussing before in a um, a soaked event. Um, Really... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I guess a, a, a starting place would be just uh, with a few days um, in between. How do you both think that went for you? I was I was thrilled. We weren't so thrilled about the rain, but at least it's a comfortable and a cosy environment. Yeah. Look, outside of weather, which none of us can predict, it would have been a surprise had it been sunny, I think, in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, the the message that we wanted to relay to the market was that our proposition had dramatically changed um, over the course of the last, you know, 18 months or so. Uh, and now we, we, we fall under the, the broader umbrella of Paramount. And, of course, that means, you know, many things for, for, for advertisers. But for us, it, it really was an opportunity to demonstrate our breadth of uh, product and platforms and the feedback that we've had to date uh, from a lot of the media buyers that, that clearly count through this, um, you know, next few months as we negotiate plenty of deals was was really positive. So I was very pleased. I was just, ha- I was excited to get the message out that we had so much to say in terms of content and um, our 2023 slate that it feels nice at that point to get it out in front of everyone and, and have such a positive reaction from quite a big crowd despite the the rain. I, I, we, had a, we, had quite, we had quite a number of people in there who braved that rain, so well done. Well, I think um, the, the main marker of that was probably uh, waiting after the show for how long we did to get an Uber, so I think you can tell by that uh, how, how many people showed up. Um, but, Danny, as you say there, I think let's start off with um, the content um, because that was, I guess, the the bulk of the the information at the program, sorry, at the event um last week uh quite a lot of changes or a sort of rethinking of the year's scheduling um Mm. which is going to see 10 kick off the year with the bachelors what was the sort of thinking behind um switching things up in that way you know when when some might say that wasn't you know or or maybe it shouldn't have been um something that needed to be done for 10 because of the success you've had with something like i'm a celebrity beforehand I think we have had um, many years of success with I'm a Celebrity and I think it would have done um, a solid job had it remained there in, in January. Um, we did f- we did want to give The Bachelors with its shake-up uh, movie to the Gold Coast um, a really strong spot next year and we felt like, given the rain, let's talk about that for a second, that how much, you know, putting the heat back into summer with The, the Bachelors on the Gold Coast for January felt like a really fresh and exciting thing to do. So, yes, we could have done what we always have done, but we felt like this was a great alternative 
to sport as well. A great um, a great opportunity for that franchise to be reinvigorated with the three leads. And what a great spot. And I'm a celebrity. We wanted to keep it uh, launched in a school holidays because it has been so successful there. Um, and now in the Easter school holidays, we think we've got an equal equally exciting chance of getting everyone back in terms of viewers. And maybe that time of year we'll be able to really, you know, put some excitement in the celebrities too. Um, it's always hard to get some people over to Africa for their Christmas and New Year break. Maybe we'll have a little bit of an, another opportunity now at Easter. Um, Rod, in, in regards to the sort of experimentation with the scheduling, do you think there is, I guess, a risk involved with that as well though? I'd say there's always a risk involved when the programming team have to schedule a year out, although I'd say this is a very educated risk because we do know there's a there's a strong appetite for a general entertainment and a noisy format over that period, and we've seen that with I'm a Celebrity. Uh, the, the, the part that we're now working on and scurrying around and, and having some, some good success is, is bringing sponsors um, and clients on board. So... Today, uh, post the announcement, it's been received well and, again, a nice alternative for what's being played out on the other networks at that period. And um, I, I guess speaking about those other networks, a few weeks ago at Nines, um, they we didn't really get much of a look at all um, at how the year was going to play out. And then, you know, when we had um, Nines' Michael Stevenson on the podcast, again, we kind of got the impression that, I think the words he used was we, we won't really be presenting that in the upfronts anymore. What, from your perspective, Rod, do, do you think it is still important, I guess, to give advertisers and buyers a look of how your year is going to shape up? Well, we're an entertainment business and, and media buyers buy that entertainment. I understand that uh, product is important and it doesn't matter where that product sits uh, within your business, whether it's content product, whether it's advertising product, um, and or anything different that they're presenting, I just I, I just look at it and think, well, media buyers want a, a, a glimpse, I, I, and I truly understand this. As Dan said, there's a, there's a lot that we had to talk about, so you can't you can't just uh, you know focus just on the content, particularly when you you're launching a new ad product and innovation. However, the feedback that I certainly got from clients is that they want to see it. So yeah. I, could, I can't see us changing that format anytime soon. No, and also we you you were in the room there. I think one of the messages we were trying to get across with our programming uh, particularly was that we are such a broad business now with so many platforms that we are, you know, we want people to be able to watch the content when they want to watch it. So you can watch it on, you know, uh, 10 Play or Paramount Plus. But we also want to curate something for the linear audience in as the best possible way we can every, every you know, all year. So those, that was one of the main messages that I think Bev started and I finished on on the night, which was yeah. was to be able to give people both. Pick it or, or we'll curate it for you. You can do both. And um, I guess onto the shows, The Bachelors, there has been a refresh in that. Can, Dan, can you give us a little bit of an idea what the thinking behind, I guess, extending that, shaking it up? I know you don't have um, The Bachelorette coming back this year. Um, and then also, I guess on the same note, um, you know, you've got those three guys in there, but they're three white blokes. Was there, was there, I guess, a consideration to that when casting as well, or was that just how it shook out? Um, 
it is how it shook out, but let me start from your first question back, which was um, the show needed a refresh. Uh, we had such a number of successful years. Um, so we worked with Warner Brothers onto what the best free, the best refresh was for that series to keep it, you know to keep it going and to keep people engaged in such a changing environment. And the dating space can um, you know there is a number of formats out there, and we want The Bachelor to, to remain premium at the top. Um, and as far as the casting goes, look, I think at ten at Paramount we do diversity really well, um, particularly cultural. Um, sexual orientation, gender diversity, very well across the board. Um, we can't always get um, the leads that you want. Um, yeah. You know, you fit that bill. Um, but I don't think we. I don't think you can judge it just based on this one series, particularly not coming off last year, where you know cultural diversity was so representative in that format. Um, so I. And, and then there is also thirty other women who are in this series uh, who represent a number of um, areas of the. You know, diversity and inclusion index, if you will, um, that we're happy that the, the broad scope of the series is representative of people just because those three specific leads aren't in this one yeah. show on our network of many, many shows. I think I think we're pretty proud of where we go in front of and behind the camera across all shows. So, And then um, I guess Hunted was the one that... Uh it's sort of been the success story for the network this year. And that yeah. was sort of, that was evidenced by the the sort of opening skit, which you got an opportunity to bring in all your talent. And I guess the, the prominence the show had throughout the year, Dan, what was your kind of takeaways from how that show performed, whether it was above expectations this year, and I guess what you would hope to see next year in order to kind of keep that going? Um, look, we're thrilled with the way Hunted was received. We're happy, you know, really happy with the ratings. It was exceptionally well made by ESA. Uh, going into the show, we were all fans of it uh, and, you know, bringing a new show into a market that has quite a lot of returning shows was, you know, it is risky. But I think people are craving something new as well as the, their favourite shows. They want to have, you know, what is next, what is next, but that's evidenced um, by the amount of, product coming in from streaming um, and what we did at the beginning of that show when we promoted it was we kept it a little bit elusive we sort of held back um, on over explaining that show because it is a simple premise when you boil it down which is you know go on the run see how long you can stay away from um, you know being hunted down um, and that we're keeping it that simple and making it very filmic in the way that the promo was made and the way that the show was made was quite intentional to try and get people engaged and then once they got there just getting swept away with, um, you know, how quick and exciting and, you know, heart in your mouth that show was, was was great. And so going forward to next year, what will we, we change? Probably not a lot. I think people are just in, in such a short run show, they're just engaged with the format. They've just got to understand why there is people on the run with cameras following them. Uh, and so I think we want to double down and, and give people another dose um, of that excitement next year before, you know, that before anyone, you know, tricks up the format and, or tries to do something unnecessary. And then in terms of um, some of those also, those bigger formats which have been proven successes for the network, um, you've got Survivor returning to Samoa this year and um, after a few seasons filming locally and, and I'm a Celebrity also returning to Africa. Mm -hmm. um, Dan, what's the, I, I, I guess, what difference do you think that makes having that change up and sort of, taking it offshore, um, I, I guess that question applies to both both shows. 
Well, I think it's just texture, um, different visuals. I mean, so we did Samoa in the early seasons of Survivor before going to Fiji, before coming back to Australia, and visually they were all quite different. Um, once you, we came back to Australia, and happily so, by the way, um, you know, into um, Cloncurry uh, and then up to Charters Towers, they gave us, uh, you know, when we were stuck in Australia and couldn't leave, they gave us two great series that looked completely different to, you know, previous ones. But there was something that we wanted to get back to those kind of um, raging waters and volcanic cliffs more and just the visual nature of it to give Australians something different to look at rather than um, the red dirt that we had seen in Cloncurry. I, I think that's just, just the texture. And for heroes versus villains, um, the sort of imagery you get out of Samoa really fits that bill quite well, Yeah, quite treacherous. So I think that's the – and then for I'm a Celebrity, it's kind of the same. We did two series, you know, when we couldn't get out of Australia. Now we're heading um, back to Africa. We're getting back to something a bit more uh, exotic, for want of a better word, or different to Australia, something that Australians don't usually see. I think that's important after two years being locked down and now that we can get out again to sort of give people a bit of different texture. And also a bit something a bit scarier for Africa as well. We're all quite accustomed to our own environment here and probably aren't as, you know, terrified as we, we should be from some of the creepy crawlies we have here. But Africa gives you just that different element. I think the other thing too is Carl, Dan wanted to make my start of the year a little bit more challenging by having um, setting us a task to get all the integration and product overseas again, we've we've had it. We've had an easier easy time over the last couple of years, just sending it around Australia rather than um, and uh, rather than overseas. But I have to say, it, the the conversations I've had with clients and the existing sponsors are actually really thrilled that it's um, it's particularly ISC is heading back to um, Africa. I was going to ask you, Rod, exactly that. I mean, is that more of a challenge in terms of, you know, getting one of those Isuzu Utes over to Samoa, uh, getting, you know, on the ground KFC ready for... Uh... <laughs> no question. It, it, it is more challenging. Having said that, it's it's still very much achievable and, and we've, we've done it for, for many seasons. I do think the reaction you get on the integration particularly look at a KFC moment when it when when they're overseas first being here local is is much stronger the excitement for some reason is just is is heightened so I think what you actually get out of uh, the integration is is um, far far greater or the reaction is yeah. far greater overseas than it is here so yes it presents some logistical challenges at time but honestly they're, they're, we're, we're well oiled machine now in terms of doing it and um, Rod, another one of the the big shows from the presentation last week, the Love Boat actually did launch um, the night before. It didn't quite perform to maybe the initial numbers um, that the network might have been hoping with two hundred fifteen thousand on its opening night. What's the sort of um, what's the sort of plan when something like that happens? Is there a backup for that in place? Look, I think from that was directed to me. I feel yeah, you know, like you can... yeah. look, we take some swings, and we really wanted to. We had Love Boat's a really good show. It is also shot in the Mediterranean, so it has a visually you know, stunning backdrop. Uh, it clearly didn't pop in the way that we would have hoped straight out of the gates. We've shifted it down to eight thirty, so we do have programming that we can, you know, put into that seven thirty slot. So we'll be at eight thirty this week. Maybe give it a better, you know. 
better chance when it's out of the way of the heavy traffic. Um, the block is doing very well at the moment. So I think look, the show is good. We haven't put up a, um, a bad show. It's just didn't connect in the way that we wanted to or the way that we would have expected to. So let's pull, pull it back a little bit, give it a bit better chance uh, and see where it goes. But it is just about that. Like we've, put, we've got quite a few new shows coming up. We had Hunted, we've got Love Boat, we've got Traders coming up and The Challenge. So yeah. I feel like we've got to make these risks or we just keep repeating um, the same things we do in the previous years. It's just we need to, we need to give people something every year to sink their teeth into and get excited about. Yeah. And, and, and from an advertising point of view or sponsor point of view, the reality is is we are now structured in a way where we, we often, you know, particularly for new formats, take a lot of the risk out of, um, you know, their investment in, in terms of in, into the program. So, you know, we, we've been able to, to navigate through that in the past and we will indeed um, through this. And, and the reality is, is, uh, you know, with a show like this, whilst it's not necessarily, as Dan said, where we wanted to be on opening night, it, it's certainly, you know, when you look at, and I, and I think you will see this uh, within seven days, if you look at the audience across mm. all platforms, it's it's a fairly interesting proposition. So uh, I, we're still we're still excited by the format. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was going to ask, I mean, do you think, uh, I guess, with a show like that, the the benefits come in from having this sort of cross-platform approach you know you, you've now got viewability across main channel replay on 10 10 um 10 play and then i guess at some point you'll i imagine you'll have that on paramount plus um is there sort of i guess a plan to maybe have a bit of flexibility like that i know in a similar format nine are um, experimenting love island on an early release on nine now Dan. yeah I think that is that is the way of the future. That is something that will keep happening across you know all platforms. But we will give Love Bird another life on on Paramount Plus after it concludes, and that will just be we'll be able to see those numbers and who's engaging it, paying for it, or paying for the service and watching it without ads. Uh, and we we've, we've done that previously. Hunted had the same treatment. Hunted went over onto the Paramount Plus and found more audience as well. So we just want to be able to you know place them where. They are most suited for their first window, and then we'll window it across all the platforms, all that. And Dan's the- team uh, often talk to me around utility. I think that's the, that's the best way to articulate yeah. uh, that what you're you're talking about, Cal. And, and there, w- with the utility comes uh, another kick for uh, advertisers, particularly if they're integrated within the body of the show. It obviously then exists on a, on a different service, so there is value in that. And Dan, you sort of spoke earlier about the process in um, promoting a show like Hunted. How, how do you go around reaching those sort of younger audiences that that kind of show, um, Love Boat, will be appealing to? Yeah, so Love Boat had quite a, a targeted social approach, as did Hunted, to be perfectly frank, uh, and a lot of below-the-line marketing, a lot of targeting you know, people who aren't on the traditional platforms or aren't found you know, at 7.30 or 6.30 on on any of the networks, um, trying to find those people. We, we've spend a lot of money um, in ways that I can't articulate right now, but ways to find them that aren't the traditional method. They're going to find a 25 to 54-year-old audience who has just sat through the project or just sat, sat through nine news. We've got to find those other people for something that is quite as youth-skewing as Love Boat or Hunted, to be honest, something that's got that broad appeal. And um, and then in terms of uh, the rest, we've got um, MasterChef, one of the best performing shows you have slightly shortened that but then you've added in 
the um, the dessert masters uh, yeah. aspect there as well. Um, can you talk us through splitting that? Uh, first of all, Dan, and then Rod. I guess your thoughts on that, considering um, MasterChef is one of those kind of shows which you do get the most integrated op- opportunities. Uh, well, look, I think there is a level uh, uh, of you know committing to people's attention spans and giving them um, you know a series that's you know, of an acceptable length in 2023. Um, so it's not terribly shorter, but it is a sizable amount less than we did last year. Now, previously we'd done uh, full-length MasterChef with a junior, full-length MasterChef with a celebrity, and, and both of those, you know, all of those worked, to be perfectly frank, especially celebrity as the spinoff. And this way we're giving people um, less commitment for the commitment phobic uh, in MasterChef, and then Dessert Masters at the end of the year will also be a short run uh, in a similar footprint to the other ones like Junior and and, and Celeb. Yeah, and look from an advertiser point of view or a sponsor point of view, back on on, on to you know the, the, the money side of things, it, it it still works for us. I mean, obviously the show every year delivers great success to our partners and sponsors, and if it didn't, they wouldn't return, and, and clearly. You know the the return rate is very high, so what it allows um, us to do is actually give them two opportunities uh, mm. across the year to to get involved in the format, which which you know commercially um, makes makes a lot of sense, but also um, for us for our existing sponsors, as I said, allows them to have another crack later in the year. And then um, I, I guess onto the sort of last avenue of that um, main channel content stream, the, the comedy side of things, which Ten has sort of um, built out its own its own space of in recent times. You know, speaking to the buyers um, in response to the event, very much considering Ten to sort of be the home of those kind of shows now. Um, we do have a new show Taskmaster, which I know a lot of people are excited by, based on. Uh, I guess it's success over extended period of time um, in the UK. Rod, it, it, we heard Bev say last week it's almost difficult or hard to describe the show without actually seeing it. How do you sort of go around getting advertisers on board then to a show like that or as a sort of, you know, you kind of uh, build up that trust over time and maybe cash in on it at that point with um, some of those partners? Well, I liken this show a lot to Gogglebox in terms of how we had to how we had to take it to market. And I remember at the time, uh, this market, you know, calling it all sorts of things because they didn't really know the format. And I actually don't think watching the UK format format versus Australian format format is that there's there's a lot of like like. And I mean, obviously, the, the format itself um, or the architecture of the show is is very similar, but you know, different different. Um, comedy for different countries the market will understand the premise of the show because it is a format that that already exists it's it's our job to to ensure that they're getting the right information and how we're actually going to um, how we're actually going to produce it and 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 make sure that they have, they're familiar with everyone that's going to be within the show that that's that's our job and and we've done that well in the past so i think there's a lot of confidence in our comedy product from the market because again and again we seem to put the the right shows to air so uh, i'm looking forward to selling this one and and dan um i guess from your perspective what what do you think the value in some of those shows have been you know you've had for example have you been paying attention consistently rates in you know the top 10 programs of the 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 week now for the network what i guess 
shorter, sharper formats. You've got a consistent and recognizable talent base now. Um, has that been hard to get to that point? Well, I I think we've been blessed with Have You Been? We There's obviously quite a history there and a story about um, it growing its audience over a number of years to, to being the powerhouse that it is um, this year and today. And then, you know, having cheap seats from the same production company, um, creating another show that is just appointment viewing on, on the next night for, you know, 30 weeks a year. Um, but for us, it we... We you mentioned it. But we love comedy at ten, um, and to be able to have Would I Lie to You returning for a series two, and then Taskmaster um, in Q one. So we've got two comedies in Q one, and then two more for the rest of the year. It's, it's important to us. Those were two of our messages that we had outside of the franchises this year. Is that we can't just keep. We can't just be talking about seven thirty. We've got to have those eight thirties um, to, to talk about as well. And the comedy is a perfect. Right now, wheelhouse at ten, and the other message we had was we we're reinvesting in Australian dark drama, which is why we announced a couple more Australian dramas in Paper Dolls and North Shore next yeah. year. So those are our two extra pieces of, um, you know, and quite sizable pieces of um, investment for twenty twenty three outside of those franchises. Well, I think with those, you really do get an idea of how the year is shaping up for 10. And it seems like you guys have a very good idea and a very clear plan of that as well. So um, I guess on that, moving on to the next part, which was um, the sport, which uh, I guess kicked off the the event with um, the network speaking about the ambition backed by those um, global owners. Um Ten's, I guess, uh, longest year-round sport still is um, soccer, which kicked off at the weekend. Um, Rod, I'm interested to get your thoughts just on, uh, you know, what the plan is with soccer this year, and whether that strategy remains the same now that um, the, the 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 free-to-air game has been taken off that main channel, but now you have those two games on free-to-air per week. Well, we uh, from a Taking it off free to air, I mean, it's, it's I guess taken off the main channel. Having said that, I mean, it's such an interesting conversation now, main versus you know the our, um, other channels. Because at the end of the day, the, the penetration is there, uh, the access is there, uh, so that you can still pull you know significant and as you know good numbers on the the uh, the uh, our other channels and than just the main. So I think that the advertisers have have warmed to it. They understand why we made the, the decision to move it uh, move it across. Um, we've still got really great sponsorship uptake. We've done all uh, our renewals, so uh, we haven't we haven't faced a lot of issues around. If that's exactly the question you're asking me, Cal, about us moving it off our primary channel. So the the opportunity still exists. And that not just the opportunity to, to get the audiences that we got on the main channel, but in fact to build them. So that that that's our that's our you know ambition really is to to actually build upon that. And that, was a, that, was a good one. that was a good one on the weekend on Bold. Yeah, I think it was um, 128,000 total audience, I think, which is good. I mean, it was a cracker of a game. Uh, lucky for me, victory won as I, I, I did tune in on 10 play. Um, what Dan? What does the um? I guess what is the benchmark, or what does success look like for that sport on the network this year? Well, I think I think look, I think growth of the you know, in of the brand overall, the numbers being what they were on the weekend, 
being so far above the series average last year is, you know, even if it was because it was a cracker of game, as you said, um, is encouraging because, I mean, the, our, our bold has a penetration of, you know, whatever, 98, 99%, like it's, it's accessible. Um, so for us to get people to that game on bold and have an audience on 10 from a network perspective is amazing. And for the sport to be able to attract, you know, when it's not being held back from, it's not being held back from the audience. They have access to it. Yeah. So they clearly, you know, made that decision with their remote if they liked the game on on, on the weekend. And then um in in terms of the, the product on um Paramount Plus, is that Rod, what is the sort of um plan this year with partners? I mean is there a plan to sort of expand that in game advertising experience? No, I mean look the the, the plan is to continue selling the assets that we have available to 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 sell um not everything not everything sold and obviously we create bespoke opportunities depending on the the client's brief but certainly from our perspective it's around um you know the ad delivery around the game and making sure that that's um the best ux it possibly can be and then you know we amplify that with with the integration. So we're really pleased. And as were the as were the uh, sponsors last year, and really pleased in terms of what we be what we were able to deliver. You know there was there was some tweaks that we made throughout the year. Um, you know, and we, we spoke about it last time and, and how we handled um, the drink breaks, and we made those those tweaks, and and we moved on, and and sponsors. Uh, we're given another opportunity, and and we, we've we've delivered upon it. So I, I I don't think we'll I think we always look for evolution. Yeah. We always look to try and better the the experience and and the ad formats and product or whatever that might might be every year. So there will be innovation that comes in, no question. And we're we're starting to talk to some of our partners around what that will look like across the season. But it, particularly with Paramount Plus, where we're working with a tech stack that we continue to evolve and upgrade so with that comes new opportunities as well and i guess one of the one of the parts of that that was um did come out last week was the um announcement that the the pausing and rewinding aspect had not quite yet been implemented is there a sort of timeline on that or is that some sort is that i guess to do with some of those issues that you talked about there i don't have a timeline but it's certainly it's certainly on the roadmap and yeah. it's and it's it's something that we want to get to as soon as we can. But again, there's 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 so much um, so much that we're working on, and and UX is is high on the agenda, obviously. And you know we've we've definitely we've definitely evolved and modified where we needed needed to last from last season for for advertisers. So um, it, yes, it'll come. It's just not just yet. <laughs> Um, and I guess, you know, as you've probably fielded many of these questions already since that statement of intent was sort of given at the event last week about um, playing the market and, you know, the, the AFL um, rights race kind of showed the market, the, the, I guess, the intent of investment that the overseas owners are willing to make. Um, and then this morning, as as you I assume you would have seen uh, the reports in the Sydney Morning Herald regarding cricket. Uh, Rod, do you think that um, the network does need one of those tier one sports to, I guess, really compete? Well, we we've had we obviously have had tier one sports in the past. That that what a tier one sport will bring is obviously 
big brand uh, or big brands to the network uh, that surround the sport that are obviously involved with the code. It's no different to the APL and and the A leagues. They they also come with the with the big brands. I I don't think from a from a, a revenue point of view, you've got to always wait up. You've just, I mean, the cost of versus the revenue uh, yeah. that, that we can write on, I mean, that, that equation has to, has, to, has to work. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work because um, there might be other general entertainment programs that, that, that will rate as well. I mean, I'm a Celebrity is a great example of us having to pivot from what was cricket or the BBL yeah. over that period and in fact, you know, as we as we um, you know look at it today or last season, IAC was you know rating higher than the, the BBL on, on on seven. So I think you know look that that, that question at the time was like, oh, how are you guys gonna how are you gonna launch your schedule without having the cricket? Well, we did very well with I'm a Celebrity. So um, I, I don't think it's a be all and end all, but of course it'd be a nice to have. And then Dan, from a I guess the content perspective, do you think? adding back in something like that BBL, would that cause you more headaches or would that ease the headaches from a, from a scheduling perspective? No, there's like strategically any sport um, into the schedule is, is welcome if it's the right sport for us. Uh, and if it, you know, when we had the cricket, it was, it worked really well for us. It worked well across that summer period. Uh, and we were happy at the time, as Rod said, then when it went away, we, you know, pivoted and, and I'm a celebrity did the number for us uh, all the summer. So I think, we will always look at every, um, you know, sport if it's available, um, and if it works for us, then you know we will we'll chase it. But I liked having I liked having a few weeks off at Christmas when the the, huh. the cricket was on. <laughs> <laughs> it's secured for you four years four years in advance. Yeah, it was either a good game or a bad game, right? Or what? And then um, another one of the the bigger announcements from uh, last week, Pluto is uh, set to launch finally this side of Christmas, I understand. Um, you'll, you'll now have, I guess, that that full scope across, um, you know, free-to-air, the, the ad services, Paramount+. Plus. Um, Rod, what does the Pluto launch uh, mean for the future of 10 Play? How, do, how does that sort of play in together? Well, they need to coexist, as, sim- as simple as that. And, you know, they're... they're, they're quite different propositions as of today. One, one will serve up curated content um, that, and the other is really an on-demand service. The fortunate thing for us at this point, as, as we go into a launch of next year, that Pluto will sit within the 10-play environment, which, mm-hmm. which means that it, it becomes addressable, uh, it, it'll, it'll fall within the... the um, the technology of 10 play so we know that the ux is is high and it's something that we're, we're investing continually to to um make sure that it's at its very best so certainly from from my point of view different propositions largely and when it's a different proposition it'll attract a different type of revenue base and i think um anecdotally speaking to a few media buyers after the event there was i, I guess maybe a little bit of confusion over what some of those additional opportunities would be for advertisers. Could you speak to that a little bit more? Well, I, th- I suspect the confusion has probably come from the fact that we've, we really just announced it at Upfronts. 
Yeah. We haven't we haven't properly gone into the market to sell it. It will be part of our upfront go to market. So there is a is an education piece that that of course we need to do with it as we do with any new product and or show. Uh, in the simplest in the simplest uh, ways of describing it for for anyone that has um, any sorts of confusion around what the proposition is, it's it's you know an array of um, channels which uh, essentially will take advertising uh, and they are curated much much like a, a linear channel is and mm-hmm. it will sit within our um, 10 play environment so that there will be great choice for our users in 10 play they can either go and watch the show on catch up uh, watch shows that may not have been on 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 the on the linear service through on demand and or they can just go and have a, a totally curated experience with, yeah. with our fast channels. And and Dan, seeing as they will sort of be sitting together, do you think that there um, is a, maybe an eventual plan where they could sort of be rebranded both under that that Pluto brand, or maybe it could separate at some point in the future as a standalone service? I don't. I, I don't know the answer to that question. I do think that Ten Play has its brand as the place to get the you know the content. That is aligned with ten at the moment, so I think that's quite strong. Whereas Pluto, um, you know, doesn't have that, or to the you know to the broader public wouldn't have that direct correlation correlation to ten. Um, and Pluto is going to the Pluto fast channels are really going to draw on the big, um, you know, the library that this that this company has, as well as some you know bespoke acquisitions, of course. But it's going to we've got such a vast array of content that's so popular, and we we have the you know, the luxury of knowing what works in the UK and the US in terms of these Pluto channels and what's really sticky. So we'll be drawing on that. And that's not quite the same as what you would find necessarily or go to template for catch up. So I think they are distinctly different yeah. at the moment are powered by each other, you know, working cohesively together. We'll see what the future holds, I guess. And then in terms of that sort of space, Rod, we have the the launch of Netflix ads coming very imminently. Um, a few weeks ago, um, Michael Stevenson also said that he didn't think it would have an impact on the BVOD market locally. Um, interested to get your take on that. Um, do you think it will, I guess, take out of that pie or will it be other, other sources as well? Look, I think anything that's grabbing attention and eyeballs will will come from somewhere. Uh, whether it's a bit from here and a bit from there, but ultimately media buyers need to, uh, you know, obviously find the money to to advertise on the, the service. My view is at this point, BVOD is growing and, and continues to, to get great growth, as does the audience. So therefore that revenue will, will continue to grow. I suspect honestly that i think that the 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 money will come from or the revenue will come from you know various platforms or and whether that's from social video maybe some search i'm not sure but from what i'm under uh, what i understand is there's there's no um, one solution in terms of whether where they're finding yeah. the money in, in fact i was talking to a media buyer just before we got on who had said that, that actually the clients are actually finding some incremental uh, incremental spend to advertise uh, on the platform. So yeah, I think watch this space. But I, I think I agree with Michael. I'm not not sure next year that the, the BBOD re- revenue will be impacted by Netflix. 
And I know since um, Disney and Netflix both announced those plans, every platform's been asked the question whether or not there's plans to add those in. Do you think with the introduction of Pluto, there's not really a need to make that consideration for Paramount Plus, I should say? Sorry, did you say, say take ads onto to P Plus? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying is there any need for that consideration now that Param, uh, Pluto is launching in market? Well, we already take advertising on 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 P plus in uh, terms of the entertainment side. Yeah, like, I, I wouldn't say I would definitely not say never. Like if if you know Netflix is doing and um, Disney's doing, it, they do it in P plus in the US. Like it's a it's already a thing. The ad tiered ad supported. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really important point um, in terms of uh, what Dan just said. It, it, it's it's already happening in the US on Paramount Plus. Yeah. So, you know, I we, we will watch it closely. At this point, our our view is a collective view. Of course, I always love more to sell, but our, <laughs> our, our collective view is let's make sure we give the user the best experience, let's put the best content on there and make sure that is absolutely singing. And we know it's the fastest growing SVOD service in this country. So we're, we're really pleased as, um, as to where it is today. And then we will reassess as we as we go throughout through next year and the, and the year after. So who knows? Watch this space. And just a couple of final ones. We sort of um, we we spoke about it at the top of the program, Dan, a little bit. But I guess going in on some of those sustainability and diversity uh, credentials, which Ten has kind of um, come to be known for. Um, what do you think this sort of does for the network on a, I guess, wider and also commercial standpoint? I'll let Rod talk to the commercial, but I think, honestly, particularly on the diversity and inclusion piece, I think we've been doing it for a long time um, in front of and behind the camera. Um, I think it's kind of ingrained and, uh, in the business, uh, particularly because I think that comes with having a slightly younger um, employee uh, across the board and targeting a younger audience, we've always been. Have we always got it right? Not necessarily. Um, are we are we always, you know, there to try and fix it and make it better? Then I, I would say definitely it's it's a consideration. I don't think it's um, something we feel uh, forced to do at any turn. And I, and Rod, I'll let you talk about how how you are able to commercially take that up. But as in terms of creating the content, I don't think we feel forced. I think we've done it for a long time and we will continue to. Yeah. First and foremost. As a business, you have to want to do it. Yeah, um, you, you don't do it um, just because, or I might be able to to commercialise it or make more money out of it. Well, you shouldn't. Um, but but if you do if you do it that way, I'm sure it's not meaningful. So therefore, um, you're going to forget about it and put it on the back burner. Yeah. For us, we live and breathe, um, particularly D and I, and and and. and more so across the last 12 months is really standing up our sustainability plan. Yeah. So that that's true to our um, organisation. It is part of our ethos and that's across all of the staff. So the one thing that we, we continually get told is, uh, particularly in the market and particularly from advertisers and probably to your point, Cal, is that we, we're known for it. Uh, and that's simply because right from the top, right through the organisation, everyone truly believes in that this is the right thing to do because you have to be a good corporate citizen and it's it's the right thing to do for your people. 
So I think from from our point of view, we just want to make sure that 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 story is told in the market. Whether we 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 get additional briefs off the back of it or we don't doesn't matter. Uh, the the what matters is that you know we all feel good when we go into work and that we know that we're we're doing meaningful uh, meaningful things to make change. So uh, we do have a lot of conversations. So having said that, with clients, particularly around sustainability and what we're doing. Uh, that are that are happening right now. So um, it is important to a lot of organisations. We are, we are we are selfishly also trying to represent Australia and on in, 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 you know in different uh, you know sections of society. So I think we are that is you know selfish or not that is that helps our business. It helps us. It helps us you know appeal to a broad range of people, and that is certainly part of the intention as well. And always. Yeah. And then um, just finally, Rod, on the uh, the big screen on Thursday, you were up there in your your new threads um, displaying the new deal with uh, Twitter. Can you can you just I guess um, just briefly as we have run over time a bit here, talk us through that deal a little bit, the commercial value of that deal with Twitter. Yeah, sure. Um, and and the, the, me being on the big screen was to, to get everyone laughing out loud. Uh, and <laughs> once again, the, the, the joke was on me. Um, but the product is um, by no means a joke. It's actually one we're really excited um, to be taking to market. We've obviously got a global partnership with, um, with Twitter through Paramount. Uh, we launched uh, early in the year. Uh, Twitter amplify with them to, with and to such great success. So we're really being thrilled with the partnership that we've got uh, with them today. So it really needed uh, something new in the toolkit. So uh, the checkout was was born, and it's a it's a first for here. And really, look for us, it's 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 part of our e-commerce strategy that we've been executing across the last twelve months. We stood up at Upfronts uh, last year and spoke that that. We were launching e-commerce, e-commerce strategy, and this is part of it. So this 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 product, you know, really, um, really is exciting on the basis that we know we've got a really engaged audience on on Twitter, and this allow this allows our audience to view a show as well as be engaged in Twitter and actually do some shopping. Well, Rod and Dan, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks, Cal. Great to be here. And that is it for another week on the Mumbrella Cast for the Upfront Special. We'll be back on Thursday with the regular programming. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review if you feel like it. Thanks again to Rod and to Dan, and we'll see you on Thursday. Cheers. Cheers.